from Connecticut. I'm Erica Ducey, and this is a Vine Pair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes to give you a better picture of how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting all parts of the business, as well as to provide a bit of hope and a path forward for all of us. Today, I'm speaking with Ivy Mix. She's the head bartender and co-owner of the influential and much-loved Brooklyn bar, Leenda. Also, as co-founder of Speed Rack, a women's cocktail competition whose proceeds go to breast cancer research, she has raised more than a million dollars for that cause. And most recently, Ivy is a first-time author. Her new book, Spirits of Latin America, comes out in May. And in that book, Ivy pays tribute to the cultures and spirits of Latin America, where she lived for several years with a collection of more than 100 cocktail recipes, many of which originated at Leyenda. And now Ivy is also working to help the bar industry find a path forward in the midst of a major crisis. And in a recent article for Esquire, she called for a restaurant stabilization fund uh, that we'll talk about today. Ivy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and talking to someone else out in the world. (laughs) I, I know. So how are you holding up? I am holding up. I mean, I think it's a really interesting times now. Everything is just so intense, um, whether it's intense loneliness or intense togetherness or it's everything's at different ends of the extreme. And at the same time, I find it to be amazing how quickly human beings adapt um, to new new realities. Um, I left Brooklyn, um, where Leyenda is my bar, uh, two, one week after the shutdown, um, thinking that I was just going to come up here and spend a week, maybe two. That was almost six weeks ago. And, um, you know, I only packed like a small bag full of clothing. <laughs> and uh, I'm in Vermont now. It's like kind of reverting back to high school status, sleeping in my twin sized high school bed. And, um, you know, having my mom make me coffee in the morning. The plus sides are I get to spend time with my niece, who's just seven months old, and um, with my mom and my dad. And the downside is that my bar is struggling and we may never reopen. So that's that's pretty crazy. I know it's such a crazy time. Uh, I mean, the upside, I guess, being able to spend a little bit of time with your family, but this is this is not the spring that you imagined. So, so you have this book coming out, uh, Spirits of Latin America, and and I want to hear a little bit about that. Maybe we can we can have a bit of a, a bright note before we yeah. we dive into some of the heavier topics. Yeah, for sure. So, I wrote my book, Spirits of Latin America. Kind of took the last two and a half years to write it kind of like from start to finish from getting a publisher um i am writing it with uh publishing it with 10 speed press which is part of penguin random house which is kind of like the publishing house for beverages um they're amazing uh just about any great cocktail book you've heard of in the last you know two or three years um has probably come out of there with the obviously their exceptions but they're just wonderful and you know leyenda has been open our five-year anniversary is may 19th and you know when you open up a bar or restaurant especially like a small one you're not franchised or part of a chain if you can make it past the two-year mark you're kind of like okay i think we're gonna be okay (laughs) you know so at about that time i was like what's the next step for me like what's the next project 
and I was actually approached by 10 speed. They were like, Hey, we think you should write a book. What do you want to write about? And I was like, well, I can tell you, I don't want to write about what it's like to be a woman in the industry. You know, with my work with speed rack, I am frequently kind of touted um, and questioned that question constantly that just is, can get kind of annoying. And while I'm very proud of being a woman, and I'm a super huge feminist. I also know about other things like Latin spirits. And that's one of the big passions of my life is, is that. So I was like, what if I write a book about Latin spirits? Kind of taking the Leyenda model. The Leyenda model was when we first, when I was first approached by Julie Reiner, my old boss and mentor to open a bar with her. She was like, I want to open a tequila and mezcal bar to which I said, I don't want to open a tequila and mezcal bar. There are too many of them, and there are so many other Latin spirits that I find to be really, really interesting that I'd like to explore. So kind of using tequila and mezcal as like the gateway drug, if you will, you know, into the rest of this fascinating category. Um, I opened up Leyenda and got to introduce people to, sure, different types of mezcal and tequila, but also things like the many different woods cachaca can be aged in, or the difference between Peruvian and Chilean pisco. Um, just to name a few. And the book took the same format. Like, okay, let's start with tequila and mezcal. Singers have been rapping about Patron for however long. Tequila is cool to drink. It's an insanely rising category. It's nuts. But what about all these other things and how do they culturally represent where they're from? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think one of the interesting things about the book, and we have uh, it, the book covered in two upcoming articles, um, you know, one of the fascinating things about it is just um, the the breadth of cocktails in in the book. So there's you have everything from sort of Negroni variations with cachaca to, you know, a whole range of more complex cocktails that have ingredient combinations you maybe would never have thought of. And it just feels really fresh and exciting. So I think it's a, a, a really, um, you know, uplifting book for people to be reading right now and kind of have something to take their their minds off of, um, you know, everything that's going on and create some amazing cocktails in the yeah. meantime with the, the know-how that you're sharing from Landa and from your experiences. Yeah, it's really exciting. I was actually talking to someone yesterday and they were like, they were like, oh, we're, you like to split your bases all the time. Like, what, what, what's that all about? Like, why do you use tequila and rum or mezcal and bourbon? Like, why is that? And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. We do do that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited to have that be a new and interesting uh, take that people can learn in their homes. Totally. And I think, you know, just for listeners who don't live in the New York area, talk a little bit about Landa and tell me about how it's been impacted by COVID-19. Sure. So Leyenda um, is, you know, my little bar. As I said, I opened it with Julie Reiner and um, the whole crew over at Clover Club, which is the bar directly across Smith Street, where Leyenda is in Brooklyn, and also the place that I worked for four years prior to opening up Leyenda. Um, we are a 55 seat small bar restaurant. Uh, the joke is I, I always say I accidentally opened up a restaurant. Um, I had no idea how to run a kitchen, but when we first opened, everyone liked our food. So when people liked our food, we had to change our whole business model and we're like, okay, here we go. Now we're going to be, you know, having a dinner rush and what have you. Yeah. It's a great little bar. We have, we're really a community spot. Um, very 
neighborhood oriented, have a lot of regulars. We're a very open and relaxed space, but still everything is very um, elevated. So you can get really unique cocktails, the food's super delicious, um, but you don't walk in there feeling like you can't order a canned Mexican lager. Like we're like, yeah, sure, we love Mexican lager. Like go for it, you know, Godspeed. Um, <laughs> And how we're doing during COVID, you know, it's not good. Um, you know, we can talk yeah. about this a little bit later on. I'm involved with a bunch of different committees that we can talk about later. But as far as Leenda is concerned, um, you know, we are a small business. We only own or we only have 24 or less employees, kind of depending on the time of year. And... We don't have a big cushion. We don't have a multi-million dollar underwriter for our business. Um, we have very, very thin margins. We are kind of the dying breed of establishment in New York City, but but the but the whole country. Um, and I think that that's really sad. And we're really businesses like mine are the ones that are the most in danger of never coming back. Right. You know, just to be like perfectly honest. No one has the answers. No one knows what's happening right now. So people are like, do you, you know, do you think you'll make it? And I'm like, well, I, I, I think we can make it if we open this year. I'm not sure if we can make it if we open next year. Uh, and opening is contingent with having a vaccine. Because, you know, if it's like you can be open at 20% capacity, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> how's that yeah. going to work, you know? Yeah. Um, and there are lots of you know, just problems with um, the governmental aid that's been put in. Um, but we're trying, you know, we, most of my staff has been able to get an unemployment, which is really good. We are doing a, um, we're doing what we're calling contactless cocktails, um, meaning that we are uh, basically, I set up a website portal online and we encourage people to order online we fill their orders on Tuesdays and Fridays and people come for pickup in a two to three hour window. Okay. And it's been really successful. I mean, really successful. I shouldn't say it's really successful. It's somewhat successful, but any amount of money coming in right now is good. Um, you know, people are like, what else can I do? And I'm like, you should go and buy gift certificates from your favorite establishments and plan on never redeeming them. <laughs> like you should go do all these different things that, if you can, you should, um, because no one in my industry is working, and the owners in particular are pretty, pretty hard, pretty hard up right now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, with the delivery model or the pickup model, I mean, that's just a small fraction of uh, sales. And if 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 bars and restaurants are opening up in 20 or 30 percent capacity, similar problem there. Uh, I know in the in the Esquire piece you wrote, uh, you said, you know, it's not a matter of if independent bars and restaurants will close. It's a matter of when. Yeah. And we saw today with the announcement that Pegu Club was closing. I think that's just yeah. um, that's just the, the beginning of the coming tsunami of closures. If you if you had to estimate what what percentage of independent bars in New York City do you think will close? I mean, again, this is this question of when do we get to open? The fact of the matter is that bars 
are successful, bars and restaurants are successful when they're busy. People don't go to a bar and restaurant to be not busy. I mean, that's not true. I actually go to bars and restaurants to be not busy because it's my life. <laughs> but I go to bars and restaurants that are usually busy. At times they are not busy because um, busy signifies that they're good, right? It's right. Like, oh, if lots of people are there, it must be something worth having. And it's antithetical to our business models to socially distance. And that's just a fact. So I would imagine that a lot of bars and restaurants will close. I don't know the exact percentage. Um, I talked to someone the other day and they said that they thought 75% of bars and restaurants would close permanently in New York City. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. if that is the case. Nationally, I think it, things could be different or change, but the fundamental thing is that anyone who's listening, anyone who has the opportunity, there needs to be a some sort of money given and i mean given i don't mean a loan i don't mean like a one percent you have to give it back i mean just money in restaurants pockets to do things like pay rent or do things like pay the taxes that are still coming like all these things are still happening even though we're not open and most restaurants have like a you know like there's no cushion <laughs> there's no cushion at all so right yeah the margins are so thin yeah it's really, they're really super duper thin. So I would say, I would guess probably 50% of bars and restaurants will okay. permanently close. And my, the only thing that I can hope for is that there may be a positive to all of this. Like the negative is we just get more Starbucks and Walgreens and Chase Banks, um, which is already what mm -hmm. much of the country, especially New York City, has been heading towards, just generic-ville USA. Zero culture. Totally. Dwayne Reed's everywhere. Yeah. Zero culture, zero cultural fabric, like nothing. Uh, but the benefit could be is that we finally start to see the quote-unquote fundamental change that needs to happen in this country, which is lower rents and people not getting screwed over because of greed. Um, if that actually happens, I don't know. Uh, I, that would be my, that would be the pie in the sky. But I, yeah, I hope it, I hope it does. And let's talk about the restaurant stabilization fund. Uh, the idea that you talked about in the in the Esquire article, and that uh, that you've put forth um, as part of the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Uh, I know that there's so many people who work in the industry who've been uh, trying to come up with these ideas and find a path forward for the industry. Um, uh, tell me what you're thinking. What what do you think is the path forward? Well, it all starts out with money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the restaurant industry is massive. It's super large, incredibly, incredibly big. Um, and it ranges from people who are working the fryer station at McDonald's all the way to, you know, the 20-year-old girl who was the hostess at a fancy restaurant in Manhattan for her first job to like, you know, people like me, there's just a huge array of, of people in this industry. And my, I happen to align more with the independent restaurant folk, um, you know, people who aren't making 500 million to $2 billion every year, they're making like, you know, their businesses do like a 
one million, two million, maybe, maybe three or four um, small, small businesses. Um, and the PPP, the Payment Protection Program, doesn't work uh, for many reasons for the hospitality industry, uh, one of which being we can't hire back all these people because we're not going to be fully operational to give all of these people their jobs back, um, in which case they'll just have to go on unemployment yet again. What our industry really needs is a bailout, um, similar to what the airline industry got, and we need really basically $240 billion to give to the restaurant industry as a, to stabilize us. This is not put money in our pockets so CEOs and owners can go take a holiday trip to Greece finally. This is money in pockets to, yeah, sure, pay our employees. We've got a bunch of employees that we could feasibly take off on employment, right, if we could pay them. But it's also to pay our rent, pay our bills, and keep afloat, pay, help the sales tax that frequently, or the property tax that frequently passes through to the commercial tenants. Like there's all these different things that we need in order to just remain open. And without the stabilization fund, you will see many, many, many more than 50% close, many more. Right. Yeah. And uh, Congress is able to come up with the the funds to support the airline industry, which has about 750,000 employees, while restaurants have about 15 times that number of employees, as, as you pointed out in your article. So I think the, the, the value of this segment to every part of our culture, really, I mean, it's not just uh, where you go to get your food or your drinks, but it's where celebrations happen, where, yes. um, you know, where uh, really the, our culture is, is celebrated in so many ways, friendships, dates, um, every, every part of, uh, I think what makes New York in our case, but, you know, really, um, every part of the country, you know, of the it's, world, it's, the place of, it's where, where communities come together. And when it's, when that third space does not exist, I think that is just such a loss, uh, in so many ways. It's a massive loss. It's a massive cultural loss. It's a massive, uh, it, and it's a massive, massive economic loss. Um, and I think the, you know, 11 million jobs is a lot, and that's only the beginning um, of this industry. And it's only the beginning of people who may not have a place in other industries. Um, it's one of the last remaining strong blue collar jobs out there. Um, so, you know. It, and it shouldn't have a side of the aisle either. This should not be a political issue. It should be saving jobs. That should be the real, the real thing. Yeah. So after people go to saverestaurants.com and fill out their letter, which I can attest is a very easy thing, you uh, just put in your name and address. It fills out the uh, Congress people that the email will be going to, and it's just a couple clicks. You must do that. After you do that, then for a little bit of a brighter spot in your day, check out Spirits of Latin America. I think it will brighten everyone's day, like I said, because the, the cocktails in there uh, don't just sound 
sound fantastic to drink, but it's beautifully shot and the writing is gorgeous. Uh, you'll learn so much. So um, in the in the meantime, I think you mentioned that the, the fifth anniversary of Leyenda is, is May 19th. This uh, episode will be up before that. So everyone raise a glass to Leyenda <laughs> and, and let's help find a, a path forward for the bar business that we all love. So thank you so much for, for joining me today, Ivy. Oh, thanks, Erica. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone's safe out there. And I can't wait to actually serve a drink in my own bar again. Like you, God willing, I'll be able to and God willing, I'll be able to serve you and many others. Uh, we'll, We'll look forward to raising a glass together. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vinepair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.